0: We are in the holy days of Rosh Hashanah. The feast of Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of Trumpets. You heard a sermon on that Sunday. If you were here Sunday night, you helped celebrate in that feast. It's a holy feast of the Lord. And Rosh Hashanah is the Feast of Trumpets. There are seven feasts that God has called Israel to come to. Now, what are we doing looking at these Old Testament feasts as a New Testament church? What we're doing is realizing that those feasts pointed to Messiah Jesus. And that if we have a deeper understanding of those feasts, we're going to have a deeper understanding of Jesus and his purpose and his time clock. So Rosh Hashanah is called the Feast of Trumpets. And in Leviticus... Chapter 23, verses 23 to 25, this is all it says about the Feast of Trumpets. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly, commemorated with trumpet blasts, do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. So this is the feast of the fall festivals, when the harvest is coming in. The spring feasts were Passover, Unleavened Bread, uh, Pentecost, then come the latter rains and the fall feasts with the greater harvest, and it starts with the Feast of Trumpets. You're to rest, enter His rest, bring a sacrifice to the Lord, and gather as a sacred assembly. Those are key points we need to remember. And so the Feast of Trumpets, we have to ask ourselves, uh, what is significant about trumpets? First of all, there's a difference between trumpets and shofars. There are two different Hebrew words. So in the Old Testament, when you see The phrase is to blow a trumpet in Zion, to blow trumpets. There were two different types that Israel had. The one was the shofar, and that is the sound that they heard in the book of Exodus when they were at Mount Sinai, and the trumpet of God was sounded from heaven itself, and the Israelites feared God. The lightning shook, the mountain trembled, and they they feared God, and Moses went to them because it was the trumpet of God. In Old Testament Scripture, whenever you see the shofar being blown, it is the Lord's trumpet. It is to call the presence of God into a situation. He then goes on and he says in Numbers chapter 10, to make two silver trumpets from one piece of silver. And they are to blow those silver trumpets whenever they are to do a few things, gather the people and go to war and so forth. The two silver trumpets, one is to the heavenlies to call the angels of Yahweh into a situation. The other silver trumpet is to assemble the people of God. So you've got the trumpets, the silver trumpets that israel's to sound for war or to sound for a sacred gathering to come together and to gather the angels and the ministering spirits to help and then you have the shofar blown at sacred feasts to bring the presence of yahweh into the situation so the feast of trumpets we see basically throughout scripture there's five reasons you're going to blow a trumpet One is you're going to assemble the people before God, a holy, sacred assembly. So when you blow the trumpet, the people of God are supposed to gather together. They're to assemble the entire gathering of the nation. When those trumpets are blown, the entire nation is gathered together. When God blows the trumpet, you better show up, right? Second time trumpets are blown are at the appointed feasts. Pentecost, uh, Shavuot, the uh, Passover, the Pentecost, the Tabernacle of Booths, uh, and uh, Day of Atonement, and uh, the uh, Feast of Trumpets. There were three times a year that the Israelite men and families were to come to Jerusalem to gather at the temple. Another time you blow a trumpet is at the coronation of a king. When a king is crowned king, you blow the trumpets. The fourth is when you're heading into a new destination. God is taking you from one location to the next. You blow the horns so that you understand when you're to leave and where you're to go. Paul, in fact, makes reference to this in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, if someone blows a trumpet and it is not distinct in its sound, how will you know what to do? The trumpet on a battlefield gives you signals as to when to move forward and where to go. Last of all, it's to assemble people for war. It's a time of battle. So we blow the trumpets to assemble the angels. We blow the trumpet to assemble the nation, the people of God, the priests of God. And we blow the shofar when God is assembling with us together. I don't want to go to war without God. How about you? These are the reasons we blow the trumpets. So let's take a look at the feasts of God and realize what God is doing here. The spring holidays or holy days of the feasts of the Lord, the first one is Passover, That is when they were to take the Passover lamb. You remember they escaped out of Egypt because they put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and the death angel passed over them which was the last and final judgment that released them unto the promised land. Passover is when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and he became the Passover lamb, the sacrifice for us that his blood was shed So that we would be free from the power of sin and death. And he redeemed us and bought us as his own. Amen? And so we see Jesus in every one of these feasts. The feast of unleavened bread was when he was buried without sin. Unleavened. And then immediately after that is the feast of first fruits. And what do we know happened on the third day? He's the first fruits from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead as the first fruits of the new creation and He is the Lord of eternal life. And so Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits are found in Christ Jesus in what He accomplished. 50 days later, the next feast comes. Who knows what that feast is? Pentecost, you guys are good. (laughs) Pentecost is the celebration of the law, God giving Israel the law, and Moses came down the mountain, right? But they were all in sin and 3,000 died that day. The law had convicted them. But on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 are saved because God brings the law into man's heart. And for the first time, the very Spirit of God could dwell and inhabit in us. Why? Because the blood that Jesus shed cleansed us, took the old man out of us, and put the new man in us, the nature of God. That's awesome. Now there is a period between the early feasts and the latter feasts. That's the period for the gathering. We're in it right now. We're gathering the nations back to God. The nations are being called back to the Lord through what Messiah Jesus has done. We're letting them know Passover has come. He's the Passover lamb. He rose from the dead as the first fruits. The Spirit is here to empower us to reach all the nations and tell them this story. And then comes the latter feasts. And the first is the feast feast of trumpets that is when the trumpet is sounded and God will gather his people together those who are dead and those who are alive are going to be gathered at the coming of the king Jesus Christ as he returns he will bring the assembly of God his people as he is crowned king and returns and gathers us from all corners of the earth together to be with him so that we may come before Him and be eternally cleansed and reign with Him for a thousand years. Then comes the Day of Atonement in the booth of tabernacles. We dwell with our God forever. What you'll see here is the ministry of Jesus as the sacrificial lamb in the early feasts. In the Pentecost season, you see Jesus as high priest. Now, I may say some things here tonight that you don't agree with. That's okay. Some of these things are are still yet mysteries. But as I'm seeing Scripture right now, Jesus has not been in the coronation of king. He is ministering as high priest before the throne of God. He is interceding day and night as the high priest to reconcile mankind back to God. God. We know that he is going to be king, but he's not been crowned king yet. When he is crowned king, Revelation 14, he will come and rule on the earth for a thousand years as king. And so his ministry right now, and if we were in touch with his ministry, we would be priests ministering the reconciliation of the Father to all people, calling them for the gathering. To come to Christ and Jesus is interceding on behalf. And last of all, we will then see Jesus as King. So, let me tell you something that might tweak your theological furniture. Did Jesus die on Passover? Yes, to fulfill... The Passover feast. Was He buried on the Day of Unleavened Bread? Yes, He was. Did He rise on the Feast of first fruits? Yes, He did. When did the Spirit get poured out? Day of Pentecost. I'll tell you, when Jesus is coming back, on the Feast of Trumpets, there's a, there's a doctrine out there called the imminent return. It could be any minute, it could be any hour, at any time. I don't believe that. It's going to be on the Feast of Trumpets, which is going to be in the fall at some point. But we don't know when. We don't know what feast. I mean, you know, which particular year of the Feast of Trumpets. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to believe that. Because if he's consistent with the four other feast days... I think he's going to return on the Feast of Trumpets, which symbolizes his return. And so, when will that be? It's an interesting time, isn't it? Now, the point about this is that when Christ returns, he's going to gather his people together. The Feast of Trumpets, the feature is the blowing of trumpets. And we see why you blow trumpets. To assemble the people together, to coronate the king, and to go to war. That's what's going to happen when Christ returns. He's returning to receive his bride, all those who have been dead before and who are still living at that time. He will take them up to meet Him in the air. We call that the rapture. The word rapture is not in the New Testament, but what it means is the catching away. He's going to catch away those who are on the planet, those who have been dead and buried. He will resurrect. We will meet Him in the air. As He is crowned King, He is returning to the earth, and He is coming with judgment. And it says that the blood at Armageddon will be up to the sides of the saddles. He's going to war and we're coming with Him and he is assembling the people to set up his millennial reign on this earth. That's what's happening. That's what's going to take place. Let's look at a few scriptures to understand that. In 1 Thessalonians 4:16 and 17 it says this, "For the Lord himself will come down from heaven." Okay? That's Jesus. He himself is coming. With a loud command and with the voice of the archangel And the what? Trumpet call of God. This is the shofar. This is God's trumpet. And what does the blast do? What does the trumpet of God do? It assembles or calls all the people of God together. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Alright? So everybody who has died in faith will be resurrected. Resurrected. That includes Old Testament saints because their faith was looking to the Messiah. Ours is looking back to Messiah. So everyone who had faith in God's saving plan will be resurrected. That means that the body, the physical bodies and cells and the DNA that's in the ground and in the earth will be transformed and caught up into the air into a new physical body just like Jesus's. And our soul and spirit will meet up with our body and they will be with the Lord, caught up in the air. Meeting Him there. Those who are alive at the time, you're just getting transformed and translated. And we'll meet the Lord in the air. Is that what it says? The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. That's where we get the word rapture. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. That's, well, Paul tells you what happens. First Corinthians 15, 51-52. I tell you a mystery. Whenever the word of God says mystery, it says it's hidden in order to be revealed. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. That's a reference to die we will not all die but we will be changed in a flash in the twinkling or the blink of an eye that's how fast this thing's going to happen when's it going to happen at the last what Trumpet. trumpet that trumpet of god at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound why do you sound a trumpet to assemble the people that's the feast of trumpets the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Changed into what? Those who are living will be changed into the imperishable, all right? Perish will put on imperishable. Mortal will put on immortality, all right? Is that and so that's what's going to happen. At the last trumpet, at the trump of God, he's gathering all of his people together. We will be literally changed from mortals to immortals with the body of a resurrected body just like Jesus's. He was the first fruits. We will follow. Let me conclude that with this verse from Revelation 20. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the Word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years was ended. This is the first resurrection. Okay, So what is the rapture? It is the first resurrection. What is a resurrection? The dead in Christ will rise. Their bodies changed into immortal. Anybody alive on the earth will be transformed. They're changed and will put on their resurrected body, meeting the Lord in the air. That's the first resurrection. Now you can read on in Revelation and see that there is a second resurrection that is of all those who will appear before God's white throne judgment those who have never been removed from sin, those who never accepted the sacrifice of Christ they will stand before the white throne judgment of God and they will be sent to hell for eternity that's the second resurrection they will in fact be given eternal bodies that will live in hell for eternity there are two resurrections a first one and a second one pretty simple right this describes what happens at the first resurrection you will be changed in the twinkling of an eye from mortal to immortal now you don't have to agree with me on this i'm just reading scripture When does the second resurrection take place? Here, it takes place. The first resurrection takes place. It includes the tribulation saints, doesn't it? That's what that verse said. This is the first resurrection. So, there's going to be a seven year tribulation on this earth. There's a debate as to when the rapture will occur. Some say before the seven years, the church will be raptured out. Then they say after the tribulation, those who got saved will then be raptured. But that's adding another rapture. That's adding another resurrection. I used to teach that. I believe that the resurrection or the rapture happens at the end of the tribulation. That the church will go through the tribulation because it will be the witness that is going to bring so many to Christ. And according to this Scripture, the first resurrection takes place including the tribulation saints. It is when Christ is crowned king in Revelation 14. It is the first time He's mentioned to have a crown on His head. When John sees Jesus In chapter 5, he sees him as high priest, mentioning nothing about a crown on his head. It's not until Revelation 14 we see Jesus with the crown on his head and the coronation of Christ. And it is in Revelation 20 that the, the shofar is blown. Jesus comes as the parousia, as the king to the earth. We who are dead in Christ or those alive will be resurrected to him in the air and come into planet earth with him as he sets up his kingdom. That's what I see happening. So, but it says in Scripture, no man knows the day or the hour this is going to happen. Right? How many of you have seen different books where it's going to happen this day or that day? One of the reasons they say no man knows the day or the hour, who, who said this? Jesus did, didn't he? What's interesting is Jesus didn't come up with this. This is, in fact, a regular saying to the Feast of Trumpets. It was a common phrase used for the Feast of Trumpets. Why? Well, the reason is this. On the Feast of Trumpets, that day is celebrated on the first Uh, sign of the moon and so they would watch for when the moon in its first crescent would appear and in order to not make a mistake they would celebrate the feast of trumpets on two days because if they got it wrong they'd be off so the feast of trumpets you would never know the day or the hour it began. Because you had to wait till the night to see the slimmest sliver of the moon. And if you got it wrong, they'd wait till the next day so they got it right. And so, a common phrase for the Feast of Trumpets was this, no man knows the day or the hour. Jesus said that very thing concerning His return. You will not know the day, or the hour. It was a two-day feast because they didn't want to celebrate it on the wrong day. They had the first sighting of the smallest part of the moon. So we don't know the day or the hour, but how many of you know Jesus said you will know the season? All right? So it's a two-day feast because they don't know exactly when the moon will appear, but they know the season. They know when that's going to happen. So we may not know the day or the hour of His coming, but we will know the time and the seasons. And let me prove that to you. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Okay? While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them, suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Do I have any women here that have ever been pregnant? Did you know you were pregnant? Did you know a baby was coming? You didn't know the day or the hour, did you? Did you know the season? Yeah, you sure did. You were pretty big. You went through the seasons. You're in your ninth month. Right? Now, it's the same reference, isn't it? We don't know the day and the hour that Christ is going to return, but you sure know that it's pregnant and time. He, in fact, told us to look for the signs. In fact, let's go on with what Paul says. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. We're looking for it we should not be surprised by it. If it's ever before your eyes that Christ is coming, He's coming for His bride, He's coming for us, that when it comes, it shouldn't be like a thief to the church. We know the seasons we're in. We know the wars and rumors of wars. We know the one world government system that's being set up. We know that what is happening on the planet with all of the birth pangs and the wars and the destruction and the, and the uh, convulsions of the planet, right? So we know that as it's toward the end of the season that we should not be surprised. And we will not be, he says, you should not surprise, but uh, you should, the day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are what? Asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Jesus is coming. I believe he's coming soon. I don't know the day or the hour, but I sure think we're in the season. Let me go on. Matthew 24, 32 to 33. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branches become tender and sprout leaves, you know that the summer is near. That makes sense, doesn't it? Why? You can see the sign. It's budding. So also, when you see all these things, you will know that He is what? Near. Right at the door. The near approach of His coming will be known by many. So His coming will be known by who's the many? The church. The church. We act as if We have no clue. We're clueless. We don't know what's going to happen. We know He's coming on the Feast of Trumpets. We know He's coming when we see all these signs. We know He will be here. We don't know the day or the hour, but we certainly know it's approaching. Not only that, but the symbology of a fig tree is the nation of Israel. 1946, 47, 48, what happened? The nation of Israel was birthed. So from that point on to the generations above, we're real close, folks. It's the season. Israel's back in the land. They just now need their temple to be erected. And that's... Already in a stage where they've got the Levites set, they've got everyone schooled in how to run and operate the tabernacle, they're ready to go. They're missing one thing what is it? What's that? The temple, the ark. But before all that, they need the ashes of a red heifer because they can't offer any sacrifices till the ashes of a red heifer. Are burned, But they need to find the original ashes. And wouldn't it be interesting if they found Moses' tabernacle that Jeremiah hid? It's still hidden somewhere. Okay? And they're speculating as to where. They're, one, they're thinking the dome on the rock is actually not the place where the temple was. So they're looking. Now, how many of you know that's going to cause a war? Right? But again... They can't offer a sacrifice. You can have the furniture, you can have the tabernacle, you can have the priests, but you cannot offer a sacrifice until you have the original ashes of the red heifer and enough ashes to go with it. The ashes of the red heifer were never to go out. They were always to be... The original heifer that Aaron put on the fire, those ashes were put back in the pot of of the red... of the ashes... Every time they would do a sacrifice of the red heifer for the Day of Atonement, they would mingle those ashes back. Yeah. All the way back to Moses. Yeah. Bottom line is, we should not be surprised. We're in the season of the Lord's return. The watchword for us is to be alert. Know that these signs are here know that they're coming, know of the Lord's return. Last of all, he said in Luke twenty-one twenty-eight. now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads up because your redemption is drawing near. If you knew that Jesus was coming back within the next few years, what would you do? Right now, most Christians are doing nothing. Dare I say? We should be reaching the lost. People are going into an eternal hell. And we're happy to be safe going to heaven. Something's wrong there. We need to be doing the Lord's work. That's why He's still high priest and hasn't returned yet. So that more people will be saved. Now let me tell you the, the concept of the... Uh, story behind the Feast of Trumpets and the Hebrew ideology. Much of this we don't understand because we have uh, 2,000 years of English translations and Greek ideas and philosophies on top of the old Hebrew idioms and meanings within this. So I believe part of the reason there is a great influx of Jewish people getting saved and coming to Christ is because they're able to bring the Hebrew depth of knowledge back into the church so that we can properly understand Scripture. In ancient Jerusalem, in order to watch for the Feast of Trumpets, they had the two witnesses on the walls. You ever hear of two witnesses? The two witnesses are historically to watch at this season for the moon because that's going to say when we start the feast and when the trumpets are blown. So the two witnesses stand on the walls of Jerusalem and watch for the first sliver of the new moon. When the Father in heaven decides to allow the new moon to appear in the sky, the two witnesses will sound the shofar and all the people of the city will immediately drop what they're doing whether they're in the city whether they're on the roof whether they're in the fields when they hear the blow of the trumpet they're to drop everything and they are to run towards the temple for the celebration of the feast of trumpets for the day of blowing the temple doors were only open for a short period of time after the trumpet blast. If they failed to make it to the temple before the doors were shut, those were slack in running to the temple were left out. Once the doors were shut, nobody could get in because this feast was to begin at sundown. They had to make sure they had oil in their lamps because wherever they were, there's no street lights. And so they had to have enough oil in their lamps because they knew the season and they had to be prepared for the shofar. Uh, and so they carried their oil lamps with them and once it got dark, this is the talks, the, Jesus told the same parable towards the wedding feast and having enough oil in your lamp to be prepared for His coming. It all lines up with the Feast of Trumpets. We see that five of them were prepared and had enough oil, five did not. And that is a reference to those who are wise and those who are foolish. We should know the discern the times and know what's happening. We should receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you do not, you are foolish and you will be left behind. Now, what is the thief in the night? The high priest came at an hour. At night, the priests were to keep the fire on the altar always burning the altar of incense. It was always supposed to be burning. When they were leased, uh, and so at night, the the priests were set up to keep watch over the flame of the altar. At night, the high priest would come at a time unexpected. He'd show up, and uh, that's why he got the nickname the thief in the night. The high priest was called The thief in the night. When Jesus would make reference or Paul would make reference to the coming of the Lord as the thief in the night, the reference is to the high priest who's checking on the priests who are supposed to be keeping the lamps lit. If a priest fell asleep on duty not watching the fire on the brazen altar the high priest would show up find him sleeping on the job he would take hot coals off the altar and scoop them with a shovel and dump the coals on the priest's garments. Wake up. The priest who fell asleep would awaken by the smell of hot burning coals on his own garments. He'd immediately strip off his clothes as fast as he could to prevent from being burned. At the end of his shift, the other priests would see him naked without a garment, and he would be ashamed. This is because all the other priests would know that he was caught falling asleep on the job. Therefore, in Revelation 15, Jesus says this Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and being seen exposed. He's the thief in the night. Jesus is the high priest who is coming. We better not be asleep. I don't want to end up in the fire. Saved people need to be fully aware of the season we are in. Not falling asleep, but being on duty. This world is going to hell. This world is perverse. This world is blind and lost. They need the church to lead them to Christ. That is what we're supposed to be doing. God, in my understanding of Scripture, God's not going to take us out when times get worse. That's when He needs His church to go in. How many of you saw 9-11? They're playing a lot of specials right now. How many of you saw the firemen go in while everybody's running out? That's the church. We're supposed to be going into this situation to save whom we will because we're already saved. I overcame the, the devil by the blood of the Lamb, the word of my testimony, and not li- loving my life even unto death. I'll do anything I can. You'll do anything you can to reach the lost and to save another soul. Because Jesus is the thief in the night coming to see if His church has faith and the oil burning. When He blows the trumpet, the King will arrive. And we should not be taken by surprise, but ready to ride with Him. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's bow our heads. Father, ready us. This feast of trumpets is a season for us to be alert and know that the King is coming. That the season and time is short. It is near and you are looking for a people who will tend the altar of God. God, I have failed you over and over by passing by people that your Spirit prompted me to talk to. Forgive me, Jesus. May I follow the prompting of the Lord every day. May I say something to somebody about Jesus. May we witness as much as we can with the love of God bringing them into the grace and mercies of the Lord. For these people are suffering. They're blind and dead in sin. And you are a high priest. You're waiting to come as king, but you're ministering every day, all night long, praying that more souls will be saved and your church is in the harvest field. Prompt us, I pray, God. May we be aware of the trumpets that are coming and assemble ourselves as the people of God, ready to go to war against the devil and to gather the lost into salvation. If this, if this convicts you tonight, would you change your thinking and begin to realize, I must reach souls. I pray this for each one of us. Holy Spirit, don't let up on us. We have enough. Now let us go get people. In Jesus' name, amen.